We had proof us you can turn the ball over three times and still beat a team. What's up, Georgia football fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 213 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I'm joined today via Skype by my two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, and we discuss Georgia's big 52-7 victory over the Jackets in Atlanta. That's 20 years since the last loss that Georgia had on the flats at Bobby Dodd. It was also the largest margin of victory ever achieved by the Dogs versus the Jackets, and I think... If my memory serves me correct, and I think I'm right, it's just the biggest margin of victory by either team in the series. But this is a quick little truncated post-game show. We've got the Georgia versus LSU SEC Championship game preview show coming up later this week. So we're just going to jump on into this post-game episode. Here's Will to get us started. We are not at El Barrio, though you should go to El Barrio. They make tacos and margaritas that will make you feel differently than you felt before you started drinking them. Instead, we are doing this over the phone because we have uh, we got to rest up this week because uh, it's a big week. Because as it turns out, uh, Georgia did not lose to Georgia Tech, uh, ruining the SEC championship game. They did quite the opposite of that, winning fifty-two to seven. I'm very proud to say I was in the stands in section two hundred six with a young, uh, recently eight-year-old William Leach, who delighted among saying to the last snap, allowing me to see that final goofy special teams touchdown uh, for a game that Georgia won fifty-two to seven. Uh, I feel like it kind of sums up the season in a lot of ways in that highly successful, undeniably successful, yet still not always pretty and certainly sort of angst-inducing at times until they, of course, turned it on. Uh, for a 52-7 game, it feels like there's a lot to take away. Um, Tony, what'd you think? Uh, obviously, Georgia Tech is bad, which is nice, but there was some drama with Pickens. There was some drama with Swift. And uh, once again, Nick, Nick Frum, Jake Frum, Chris Frum, whichever one you want to call him, uh, did not complete 50% of his passes. What'd you think taking away from a very satisfying win on a beautiful day uh, in downtown Atlanta? Yeah, the biggest thing to take away is that Georgia did exactly what Kirby Smart wanted to do. I mean, in a lot of ways, we had... <laughs> we had proof possibly can turn the ball over three times and still beat a team. Um, I actually turned it over four times, if I recall. But, like, I, I get it. I really get it. We want to be perfect. But it's interesting to me that Georgia scored 52 points, had two more opportunities to score uh, when, you know, we had a missed field goal, which I think we should have taken another shot at the end zone. And we also fumbled the ball inside the 10 on the play that Swift got hurt. We held Tech under to their season low yardage, and Nick, Chris, Jake Fromm didn't complete 50% of his passes, and no one rushed over 100 yards, and we still dominated. I mean, even 17-7, that game never felt like it was even it was even remotely close. Um, this is the Kirby Smart perfect game, where you use your physical talent and you use your overwhelming talent to basically beat teams. This is the crockpotting game. I said on the podcast last week, my favorite thing is to watch hope drain away from Georgia Tech fans. And because of the lack of crowd, we did a seat upgrade and went and sat in the student section there in that south end zone. Uh, and by the middle of the third quarter, there were a number of Georgia Tech students around. And it was cute watching them think somehow they were still in that game when the game flow never felt like it was even remotely possible that they were going to do anything more than do some goofy things to force a few more points, which they never did. 
Tony, I'm glad you brought up the whole stealing hope away from Georgia Tech because I've kind of taken that line from you. And as you know, you saw us before the game, I was explaining to Jack and Walker as it was their first true away game. I kind of explained that philosophy to them. And when Georgia did turn it over and Georgia Tech scored their touchdown, I reminded them, I was like, this is actually a good thing because we're going to win the game because this is a, this is a historically bad Georgia Tech team. Not really sure if they'll ever be quite back to where they once were uh, under previous coaches, but that's, that's a different story. Uh, so it was, it was kind of fun to impart on them that, watch this, this is about to happen. And what do you know? It, it did. It happened a little bit later than I would have liked. But uh, but yeah, the the takeover and the stealing of hope from them, uh, you can tell that it does live up to its clean, old fashioned hate because it seemed to me like all the Georgia Tech players and really probably their whole motive in the second half was just to get in their way. And and yeah, what they did, they were successful because uh, Trace Willing is going to be. Uh, happy this week because he helped uh, Pickens uh, miss the first half of uh, the SEC championship game. And yeah, I want you to get into that later, but I'd like to take a couple swipes at Bobby Dodd stadium. Um, I'm going to give a couple of kudos to them. The, the views are great. Uh, the great sight lines. It, it, it is, as Tony put it, it is a precious stadium. It'd been a while since I'd been there. Um, you feel a little bit closer to the field. I was up in really close to the top of the upper deck. And we felt really close to the field, which was kind of a neat, uh, almost like a, a mind trip type thing. Because if you put yourself in that high of seating at Sanford stadium, you're way far away. But uh, a couple of the, the down, those are really the only good things about the, the stadium, the speakers at their stadium, the stadium entertainment was complete third rate experience. The, it sounded like the, uh, you know how your buddy had a like a 1990 Mustang with the the homemade speakers from Circuit City. That's what the speakers sounded like when they're playing the the Money Down, which my boys are still saying Money Down uh, today. Uh, I never heard the Tech Band, which doesn't really bother me, but it, they they just kept playing a bad rendition of uh, you know Third Down for What type stuff that Tennessee used to do throughout the entire time. But it was great to see the Tech fans how beaten down they were. Uh, just in the amount of size of uh, crowd that they brought and knowing that uh, their coach does push-ups when they get an onside kick recovery. Um, it's comical. It's bizarre. It's unlike anything you'll ever see. I'm, and like I said, I, I'm all for Geoff Collins being their coach for quite some time because I think the, the fake juice that he brings is exactly what Tech needs because I don't see them ever being over – a 500, maybe eight and three, eight and four team. And uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there and I'll enjoy going back every other year to see a beat down and Bobby Dodd and uh, good for them. Good for GF Collins. I enjoy your comment about the speaker system. It does feel like a little bit like it was it was sold by Buck Swope from uh, Boogie Nights, where it's like you got he's got the woofers, you got the woofers in the back. Um, but yeah, I, I have to say I do like the stadium because it does feel. It reminds me of the difference, and this is going to sound like more of an insult than I mean it. It reminds me a little bit of the difference between going to a major league baseball game and a minor league baseball game. It's like, oh, the, everything is cheaper and my sight lines are better. And obviously, 
it's a little chintzy and cheesy, and they 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 obviously aren't can't. This isn't the big leagues, clearly, but it makes it kind of a fun way to kind of watch a game. So uh, I I love these trips, and I, I I really don't mean that as an insult. I mean I'm sure they will take this one. They probably should, but for me as a as a visiting fan to have the experience not just at Sanford Stadium, but again going to I would argue that Vanderbilt has a decidedly better game day atmosphere uh, than Georgia Tech does, let alone uh, Mississippi. And, and LSU and, and Notre Dame and some of the other road games I've been to the last couple of years. Uh, I love it. It really does feel like that, ah, Thanksgiving weekend is still going and I'm relaxing. Uh, it kind of has that vibe uh, a little bit, which I which I do enjoy. Um, yeah, they're really bad. Uh, to be fair, this is the year that you should stomp them like this. They are in that transitional year. We'll see if they get better. We'll see if there's any sort of improvement. Obviously, this was always the year that they were going to be struggling the most. We'll see if there's improvement. But uh, the gulf between these two programs seems as dramatic as I can remember it. Uh, maybe you guys remember a, a different time, but it, it's hard to imagine them being more far apart than that. Uh, that said, you know, I mean, I think I think Georgia had three turnovers plus the onside kick. I think that's I, so. I think it's uh, it doesn't count as a turnover, but I think they had three plus an onside kick, unless they had one late when I was just kind of in my chilling out beautiful day reverie that I that I missed. Uh, but I, I think this is a good time to probably get into um, the only real point of this game, which is uh, can we make sure nobody gets hurt and or suspended? And O for 2 mm-hmm. on each of those. Uh, the early reports on Swift seem to be that it's not that serious of an injury. I will confess it certainly felt like one when it happened. And was very worrisome. Uh, he was very uh, ginger, kind of came off the field gingerly. And I, by that, I did not mean he had red hair. I mean, he was like taking care of his arm. Uh, but after the, after the game, Kirby Smart seemed to think that it wasn't too bad. I don't, I generally speaking, I never believe college coaches when they tell me anything about injuries. But uh, uh, certainly he, uh, of all the players, other than perhaps from, uh, I don't think there's a player, particularly at least on offense, that you could, you would want to lose more, uh, uh, lose less than, than Swift. Uh, but then there's Pickens. Uh, and I have to say, my general thing, uh, I like George Pickens. Not only do I like George Pickens, I like those diva, uh, look at me, uh, big play wide receivers. I, I know that it's a fun sports hot take to all say those guys are not about the team and only about themselves. Generally, those guys make their team better. And a lot of one of the reasons that they're good is because they're so brash like that. However, generally speaking, uh, I think both of them probably should have uh, gotten ejected. But you do kind of have to be aware, particularly when you've missed the first half for reasons, uh, for the flu or whatever it was, uh, that if you get ejected, you, you're going to miss the first half of the only reason, the only game and that really matters kind of this entire season. So I, he's a freshman. And I generally don't want to uh, rein him in too much because I do like that outlandishness, but that obviously is uh, uh, a pretty bad idea. Uh, uh, pretty pretty much the worst possible case scenario is to we'll see about Swift, but your two most explosive offensive players theoretically could be gone for the first half of the game. And of course, with Cager injured as well, uh, it feels like they're coming in. Um, well, offense has already had lots of troubles. Uh, looks like they're coming in pretty uh, underhanded. Underhanded, empty-handed, underhanded, without hands. 
Well, I mean, look, to get to Swift, I, I went back and rewatched uh, a lot of the game because I, you know, I'll get to Pickens in a second. I really wanted to see what led up to the Pickens thing because we were sitting right down there where all that happened, and it was clear that Swilling and Pickens had been going at it for some time, and I'll get to that in a second. The play on DeAndre didn't look like he even got hit on that side, and even on replay, it, it was kind of weird. didn't really look like he even got even touched over there, so it's interesting to me that that was the left shoulder. Um, I don't doubt that he was hurt, but and we'll see. And it, it is heartening to hear. Uh, I like you take it with Ravens. So it's heartening to hear that Kirby at least thinks he's going to be good to go as of yesterday afternoon. As for Pickens, um, let's start with like four plays before, five plays before. Or let's, let's start the series before. He absolutely got roasted by Simmons on that touchdown pass. Swilling got roasted. I mean, just set up left out to dry, and Simmons just beating him bad. And he's complaining the whole time about that. So let's go to, like, five plays before when Pickens have been in. There had been a little jawboning going on, and then, like, the play before, there had been jawboning going on. Um, now, first off, understand, no one take this to, for me to mean that he had any business acting this way because it was a me-first moment. Second off, get off your hot horse. If you're out here, it's like, T, I'd be, somebody has something like Kevin Butler. Love Kevin Butler, but he went on for five minutes about, you can't do this, and that's just too much, and blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry, get out of here with that crap. You can't get punched in the throat and not expect to react. Now, should both players have been ejected? 100%. That was a lack of, um, that was not a great move. That was not great for the officials. That was a terrible, because they lost control of the game there. They had an opportunity to play before. Pickens, you know, basically walked by Swilling. You could see he said something and was starting to go back to the um, huddle. And Swilling came and ran, came back and got up next to him and like almost chest bumped him. The official stepped up and basically was like, you know, go back to the huddle. And Pickens already was headed back to the huddle. And then, the, of course, the next play, Swilling grabs him and throws him down. And then now again, you have to show some maturity there. I do not disagree with that. Do not think I'm saying that he had any right to. But I also think if you don't think you would have reacted the same way, probably a better person. And then, you know, if you're going to get ejected, throw in a swilling into the fence uh, by the face mask. It seems like a decent reason to me. <laughs> um, if you're going to do it, it seems like a decent reason. Um, and he's in my Hall of Fame for that. Um, again, do not think, kids, that I say you should do that. It is not the right thing to do. But looking in hindsight... Yeah, it's probably you know, going to get rejected. Let's do it that way. I just wish that uh, Tony Schiavone would have been in the booth with Scott Howard because it looked like a wrestling move throwing him into the turnbuckle uh, after the, the the hand fighting. I don't think he would have gotten suspended had he not thrown him into the turnbuckle because it was kind of even like hand slap, you know, uh, palm to the chin strap. And yeah, then he just took it to the next level. And even when I saw it on replay, I'm kind of like, okay, that's probably why. Because there was plenty of that you saw in Auburn, Alabama last night of guys getting chippy and everything. And the refs just let them play. Maybe it's because they had an edict from uh, Lord Saban that they weren't allowed to do that. I don't know. Um, the the positives I saw from, again, was uh, under 50%. Maybe that's just what he needs to do from now on. I don't know. Uh, there's there's no way of getting around it. But he did throw a pass to 10 different receivers. Now, I think the most caught was maybe two, um, like by Simmons, uh, who also got his first touchdown of the season. The thing that you've got to think about, sure, we have Cager out and we have Pickens out for the first half. But Simmons, who 
in preseason, everybody was touting is arguably one of the fastest uh, players on the team. That type of touchdown might get him going. Maybe, you know, he's had a rough season ever since he uh, muffed the punt against Notre Dame and he's kind of hadn't been see- seeing him at all. So I'm uh, very confident that he's going to be able to have a big game against LSU. Charlie Warner, they did a, a whole video on him last week about how he hasn't caught a touchdown and it's his senior year. He catches the first touchdown of the game. That's big for confidence going into LSU. And then Matt Landers gets a catch and Tommy Bush get a catch. We've forgotten about them because they've been non-existent. They're both six, five receivers. Landers was a three-star recruit. Tommy Bush was a four-star recruit with offers from USC, Florida, Michigan, and Texas. So there is hope. Um, sure. It's, it's a bit of a reach because of uh, the talent that we have missing, especially in the first half of the game. But uh, you know, with the way the defense is playing, because we haven't mentioned the defense, it is world class. Uh, if we can just kind of hold Burrow in check, who knows? Maybe uh, the first team to I don't know twenty eight uh, has this game in control, and then let the five the last five minutes of the game, whoever has the ball last. You know, I think that's the the best we can hope for against LSU. But uh, but yeah, it's not ideal. Uh, the one thing with uh, Swift's injury, it reminds me of Carryon Johnson a couple of years ago, where he had an arm injury and he started fumbling against Georgia in the SEC championship game. Hopefully it's not something like that, but um, move on to LSU and bigger and brighter things. All right, so what, let's do our uh, – because Scott's back this week. We let Scott join us this week. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's, do, let's do our something good, something bad, and something, uh, something, something, something else. Uh, Scott, because uh, this is your segment, start us off. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you think I would have prepared for this. Um, I did. And I did. Oh, okay. I did. Wait, wait, I did wait, prepare for it. <laughs> no, I did prepare. So my good Monty Rice, the way I would describe Monty Rice this year is he's the free version of the app. He's the non-paid version. Roquan Smith's the paid version. And uh, that guy, that guy's just making plays. I mean, he is just, just slightly less than Roquan Smith and nobody's going to be him, but he's my good because, you know, he's just that constant on defense and you know that he's going to almost be dropped out of an airplane or a helicopter to land on a guy. He's almost there. I'm not comparing him saying he's equal, but man, he's my good. I am a big fan of Monty Rice. The bad, uh, Dabo Swinney, his post game, bizarre press conference where he's just like poor mouthing Georgia and making excuses and everything. Look, he's kind of like the whole PETA thing last week to me, because as will put it in slamming PETA, you know, you're not making any friends, you know, because the people on the sideline who previously I have no beef with Dabo Swinney, but when he comes out and starts all this grandstanding and everything in a post-game press conference, dude, you're undefeated. You're going to make the playoff. Quit complaining. Uh, so he's my bad. I'm, I'm kind of over him. I'm also going to put Auburn fans in there as bad because sure. I'm glad Auburn beat Alabama because I wanted everybody's kind of tired of Alabama and their stick, but Auburn fans beating Alabama at home and then rushing their field and tearing up their hedges. I did enjoy, uh, seeing all the middle-aged women getting stuck in the hedges. That was even sports center did a, did a whole thing on that. Um, so that's my bad Dabo and Sw- Dabo Swinney and Auburn fans. And then something else, Jordan Davis and Notori Johnson. And now you might not be familiar with Notori Johnson. He's a backup defensive lineman. I sat in the parents section uh, of the game and Jordan Davis's dad sat behind me and Notori Johnson's mom sat in front of me. And it was awesome to hear them rooting on their kids like you do when you're watching your kids play little league or pick up basketball or whatever. Uh, it's the same parental emotion 
And Notori Johnson got in late in the game and his mom was beside herself when he made a tackle because he didn't play that much. So that's my something else. It's kind of like a good, but hats off to Jordan Davis's family and Notori Johnson's family. That made my day getting to hear them get excited about watching their sons play a game they love. All right. Uh, my good, I will start with Virginia. Uh, good for them. Anytime that you have had, I think that was like 13, 15 times in a road of Virginia Tech. Uh, I got this game wrong in the pool. I think I dropped a lot in the front office pools this week, unfortunately. But uh, I was happy for them uh, and, uh, and also happy that it's looking the way things have fallen. It's looking less and less likely that even if Georgia loses to LSU, that they will play Virginia because the way the Bulls are kind of uh, uh, hashing out, I think Alabama's loss changed that a little bit, that uh, Georgia is unlikely to play Virginia in two consecutive games, which is the reason I was rooting against Virginia in that game, and now glad that that happened. Bad, I don't care that Illinois lost to Northwestern. I don't actually care. They're going to a bowl anyway. I don't know which bowl yet. Probably not the pinstripe bowl now because they're 6-6. Six and six. I, mean, I Obviously, it would be more fun if they were 7-5. and five. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald sucks. But uh, nevertheless, 6-6, six and six, going to bowl game, not that upset. And then something else, I feel like it's funny. You mentioned the Kevin Butler thing, uh, Tony. Uh, this is the uh, – uh, it's late in the year, and everyone is, is getting in – kind of getting in, trying to meet their quota of, um, of uh, I am a moralist sports take person. And shame, 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 shame. Uh, I think that was a good moment for that. The real great moment of that was, of course, the Mississippi player doing the dog pee celebration. Bad – Obviously, that it cost them 15 yards and made the, and, and and made the kicker miss the field. Didn't make him miss the extra point, but put made that extra point harder. Good, however, and then it was really funny. It was really funny, and I am very much and whatever. I the 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 faux indignation. Pete Thamel uh, wrote a piece. I, I've known Pete for a long time, but Pete wrote a piece like, "What is the world coming to?" He embarrassed himself and his sport. It's like, dude, nobody actually thinks that. <laughs> like, nobody actually thinks he did this grotesque. It was very much like when Joe Buck got all faux indignant about when Randy Moss pretended to move the crowd, even though Noah was actually offended at all. You can mock the guy. You can say it was a stupid decision. It was dumb, and it was funny, and it was silly, and it was a mistake. But, like, the idea that, like, what a about the children. There is nothing that makes me more irritable about sports coverage than what about the children? You know what? My kids saw that, thought it was funny, and also thought it was stupid. That the, I also thought the guy got punished. Uh, and, and he'll be, listen, it, it's, he's going to turn out terrible for him because he's going to be known for that forever. Obviously, it's a mistake, but like, there are ways to like look at this and realize that without going, Oh, well, what What about the children? Children are smarter than most national sports writers, so they can handle it. Hey, Tony, you got any good, bad, something else? Or are you still there? Tony dropped off, I guess. Well, take that. Fine. Uh, what do you, okay, so, so he's not here. Let's, what do you think his good would be? What I think is good would be, uh, I think uh, maybe Saban having a rage stroke on the yeah, sideline. That was a good rage stroke. This is the first half rage stroke was a good one. That was a that was a good celebration. That was a total like Saban, like <laughs> like raging against a world that no longer works the way he wants it wants it to. Uh, I, there was a great piece in Espionation had a great breakdown. I think it was Matt Brown. I remember uh, who had a great breakdown of that Auburn play. Mm-hmm. It was a real like because basically the, the Auburn play. Uh, like it wasn't. 
Alabama had 12 men on the field, but Auburn specifically tricked them into doing that. Like that was oh yeah, it was a classic. Yeah, and it was yeah. awesome because they put out both Knicks and a punter and got them confused. So they put a man back and had someone to play defense. Uh, it was very, it was very amusing. I think I think Patrick Sertain Jr. at one point was uh, out wide on the punter, which feels like mm-hmm. maybe he's overqualified for that position. Very awesome, very Gus Malzahn thing to do in a way I thought was very entertaining. Didn't you like how Nick Saban literally said it wasn't fair? I mean, yeah, could you believe was, that? I mean, was it was—he was almost incredulous about yeah, it. Yeah, he was just man. I think that I think I, I think that once it sits down in the off season, not only will he appreciate it, he'll steal it. <laughs> and oh, sure. Alabama will do that at some point because it is—it is legal. It has been—they've asked. It is definitely, definitely legal. It feels underhanded, but you know mm-hmm. what? That's what sports is. <laughs> sports is totally right. underhanded. I am of the belief that even you should be able to clap. To simulate the sap count, I actually feel like you should sure. be able to do that on defense. Because if you don't want the defense to do that, don't have the clap be your snap count. And so, right. I, that, that's my general. I think they should be able to yell hot from the defense and crying out loud. But uh, even if they don't, that's at least on the record, uh, on the books to be not be able to do. I definitely like that. Uh, I love that play. That was that was a, a classic, classic, classic Iron Bowl uh, in a way that uh, yeah, I almost wish that would have been the Iron Bowl two years ago. Because mm-hmm. the the stakes on this were just a little bit lower than they were two years ago, but nevertheless, uh, uh, pretty fantastic. I agree. So Tony's bad would be something else with uh, Georgia Tech or or, yeah. or or Collins and his antics. I I did find uh, I think Tony would put it because I saw him tweet about this about how Collins was on the field more than some players uh, yeah. complaining and whining and everything. I mean, whatever. Um, and then Tony's something else. Uh, probably be something about the tailgate and all the people he ran into. Um, I, you know, my something else, UGA Carrie sat next to me mm-hmm. and it wasn't because she saw me and said, Oh, Hey Scott, I'll sit next to her. Her ticket literally was seat 13. I was seat 12 on row 24. It was oh, wow. amazing. Oh, wow. Did, yeah. did, did the girls hang out with, uh, with Jack and Walker? They, well, I guess you got opposite They side. did. Yeah, they did. They did. We, they took pictures and they were there for almost until the Dippin' Dots ran out. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was really bizarre to see her ticket literally was the seat next to me. Well, uh, we have, everyone gets some rest, uh, get recovered from Thanksgiving because it is a big week. Not only, and the real reason is a big week, not because it's SC championship week. I'm doing my yearly big Georgia piece this week. So be forewarned. Awesome. It will be on the WSLS uh, website. Uh, I'm probably writing either Monday or Tuesday. I have many thoughts kind of heading into this game. A little precursor. I feel like a lot of this. Uh, I've been talking to my friend Brett, uh, Brett Michael Dykes, who uh, is Cajun boy on Twitter for years and years and years. He ran mm-hmm. up rocks. I've known him for a long time. Big LSU guy. Saw him at the game last year. I was texting with him. And this is this year is their 2017. Oh yeah, this is what the, this year is for them. So it's very interesting for Georgia to be in that part, particularly how Georgia fans are not. This doesn't this doesn't have the electric vibe of some of the Georgia scenes uh, in the past. I think it's kind of an interesting way to uh, to kind of look at uh, at the mood of the fan base. So I'm excited to do that. I do that piece every year. Uh, that piece this year. And last thing, I'll mention this on the other show. Anyone going to the SEC championship game, come see the Sun Dogs. The Sun Dogs plays a play a yearly Tom Petty show the day before the SEC championship game at Center Stage. I will be there. My friend Will Haraway is uh, the lead singer and the basis of the band. They are awesome. It is I went with Robert, Robert Wolf and Company last year. We had a great, great time. Everybody come to the Sun Dog Show the night before. It will be a blast. 
All right. Uh, all right. Otherwise, uh, uh, I guess I guess we don't do the show with Tony anymore. You know, you know, I think we can all agree it's better without him, right? Like it's better <laughs> without Tony. Finally, and it's all, it's not only better without Tony. It's better. We're like, you know what Tony would say. They'd probably talk about the tailgate. Yeah, talk about the tailgate. We are, we yeah, we already know what he would say. Yeah, so we're just as so proxy. Yeah, we're just sitting here. He's so mm-hmm. predictable. It's fine at last. At last, he's like Coley's show. offense at times. Yeah, he's very predictable. This show finally finds its wings in the absence <laughs> of Tony Wallet. Um, right, we're think, kidding because we care, Tony. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I am kidding. Um, okay, so uh, but we're gonna be taping Tuesday night. Tuesday night. That's correct. Uh, this so, week. so it should be up on Wednesday at some point, Wednesday very, afternoon. Very exciting time. Um, all right, Scott, uh, I'll let you go put this thing together. But uh, hey, everybody, go dogs. I'm Tony. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Make sure to hit us up on Twitter at WSLS Podcast and follow us on Instagram as well. Same handle at WSLS Podcast. We'll be reconvening and publishing the show. We're going to record on Tuesday and then we're going to publish our show on Wednesday. So if you have any questions, and I'm sure you do, make sure to tweet us on social media or hit us up on an Instagram DM, as the kids say these days. So uh, that'll do it. We'll see you on campus sometime soon. But first, we'll see you in Atlanta once again for the SEC Championship game. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go dogs. Go dogs.